Um, we're going to be in Hebrews 4 this morning. Um, and uh, if you are a person what makes notes and you like that kind of thing, um, if you want a title, I'm going to talk this morning about what do we do with weakness. Um, so I'm going to read this part from Hebrews 4. This is Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 16. I'm going to jump straight in. It says this, So therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love this passage. I love all of Hebrews 4, um, but I, I particularly love these verses um, just for what it tells us about Jesus in this one we've been singing to and meeting with this morning. Um, like what he's like and how he, how he sees us, how he relates to us, how he approaches us in our humanity. Um, and one of the things that is... You know, we all have different lives, different histories, but one of the things that is um, the same for all of us is that we are going to encounter weakness. We are going to experience weakness, whether that's weakness in and of ourselves, whether that's the effects of weakness in other people that kind of impinges on us. The reality is part of our human experience is weakness. Okay? We, need, we need to be okay with that. It just is. Um, if, we're, if we are human, which I believe we are, if we're living on this earth, like we're going to experience and encounter weakness. So the question is what we do with it. Um, and I want to encourage you to think broadly about weakness. So sometimes we read bits like that and we think um, it's talking about moral weakness, it's talking about sin. Um, I, I don't actually think it is. Um, I, I want us to think broadly about weakness. Um, and that actually, I think it's the, it's the fullness of our humanity, including our limitation and our frailty as humans. Like that's, I think, what that weakness is talking about. Now, can those things lead us into sin? Absolutely. Are those things in and of themselves sinful? No, I don't think so. I, so I want, I want to think about weakness in those broad terms. So our weakness that the Bible, this passage is telling us that Jesus so deeply understands. Our weakness may be an issue of health. It may be our physical health, our mental health, that actually there's an area of, of frailty, of vulnerability. Actually, the, word, the Greek word that is used here for weakness is the same Greek word that is often used in the Gospels when it talks about Jesus having healed people or cast out demons or set people free. Actually, it talks about him healing their sickness healing their infirmities. It's the same word that translated here, weakness. And it's one of the things prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah 53, that he'd carry our infirmities, our weaknesses, right? So it's part of being a human is that sometimes we get ill. Sometimes we're unwell in our physical health and our emotional health. Sometimes that happens and there's, there's weakness there. Sometimes it may be something actually to do with our life stage or situation um, that means actually, do you know what? I am, I am more limited or more vulnerable than I was. So, for example, Simon and Sarah here, baby Tilly. Um, you know, Sarah's given birth four weeks ago. For her to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm going to go and do a 10K run. Like, no. Like, actually, go and do a marathon when you've given birth two weeks ago. No, like, actually, there's, there's frailty. There's limitation in that life stage, which we need to acknowledge. Um, 
sometimes it, I think it's stuff in our past or maybe present situation that actually creates a vulnerability. It's an area of weakness for us. You know, maybe, maybe actually it is a mistake we've made. Maybe it is somewhere where we've missed the mark in the past. Maybe it's we made a poor decision financially, and so we have vulnerability in our finances as a result. Maybe, um, maybe we're grieving. Maybe we've suffered a major bereavement. Actually, that is... That is a human experience that actually is, leaves us weak, right? It's a, but it is part of our humanity. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that traumatic that has happened to you. Not, maybe nothing to do with you. Maybe you know, sometimes the stuff that has happened in the past that is causing limitation or vulnerability in me is of my own doing. It was, it was my mistake. Other times it's absolutely through no fault of our own. But something has happened that is causing us to have weakness. You know, maybe it is a particular area of struggle or temptation, right? That is part of our normal human experience as well. That was part of Jesus' experience, what it says in Hebrews 4. He was tempted just as we are and yet didn't sin. So weakness isn't sin, neither is temptation sin. Giving into temptation leads us into sin. But so maybe for us, actually, an area of weakness right now, if we're thinking in broad terms, actually, do you know what? It is a, an issue of temptation, Maybe it's part of our personality, right? We're different. We are wired differently. Um, and, and certain personalities, maybe we're more prone to certain things. Maybe we find certain things way more challenging. Like I find conflict super challenging. Like that's an area of weakness for me in my personality. Um, so think broadly. So when we're talking this morning about weakness, what do we do with weakness? My definition, if you want, is this. It is actually the fullness of our humanity. It's our limitations and frailty as humans, which is not the same as sin. Okay? So just as a caveat, what I want to make sure is that in anything I'm saying this morning, what you're not hearing is, is that I am in any way saying acknowledging and embracing our weakness is about excusing sin. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there. That's not what I'm saying. I am never, like, I'm a million miles from that position. Like, sin really, really matters, right? We are called to live a high standard of holiness as followers of Jesus. So, I, I, like, I'm not saying that. So when, but just so we can separate out, actually, weakness that I want to talk about this morning is actually our humanity, part of being fallible, frail, limited humans. Okay? Happy? Is that clear? Alrighty. Okay. So, if weakness is part of our human experience from the oldest to the youngest, wherever we're from, um, however long we've been following Jesus, if weakness is part of the deal of being human, the question I want to look at is, well, what do we do with it? What do we do with weakness? Um, and my suggestion is this. Listen, why don't we look at how Jesus views our weakness and why don't we do it like that? I think doing it Jesus' way is usually better in most things. So if we have a look in this verse, um, in these passages, about Jesus' approach to our weakness as humans. So in verse 15, I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weaknesses and temptations, but we have one who has been tempted, knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. I find this the most comforting verse this Jesus that we're seeing about, this Jesus that we're following, this Jesus that we're saying we want to give everything to, understands what it is to be human. I love that. 
He can, the reason he can sympathise and understand is because he fully embraced humanity when he came and dwelt on earth as a man. So he has walked this earth as a human. So it says, tempted in every way as we are. And I love that, the way it translates it in the Amplified. It says there, knowing exactly how it feels to be human. So he's not sort of distant, disconnected, abstract, looking like, what on earth's going on down there? All that, you know, like he knows he understands and he cares, which are two different things. He is able to sympathise and he understands because he knows exactly how it is to be human because he's experienced it all and yet was without sin. So we have to understand, that's Jesus' approach. So when he looks at you and I and areas of weakness of whatever cause, he understands and he cares. So we should look at our weakness and weakness in others with understanding and care but often we don't so this is this is the invitation this beautiful passage in in Hebrews 4 saying that this is this is what Jesus is like this is the high priest we have he knows he cares he understands and he invites us to come in our weakness so we should approach our weakness with care and understanding and we should understand that it's always an invitation to come close the reality is I don't think we often do I don't think that often is our approach to weakness more often, our approach is one of three things that I want to look at. We deny weakness, we tolerate it, or we despise it, or quite possibly a little bit of all three. But often, that's what we do. So I want to look at those briefly in turn. Firstly, we deny it. Okay? We, we, we feel like somehow when we're you know, in, in the church and when we're coming to God, we have to present the Christian face. I'm fine. Um, like that's that's crazy. Denying weakness and limitation and is is crazy. I remember years ago, our older sister's husband Matt um, had uh, an ingrowing toenail. This is a great story. I like this. So he had an ingrowing toenail, and um, being maybe stereotypically male was like, I'm not going to go to the GP. I'm just going to sort this out. So his the way he decided to sort it was he got an old Stanley knife blade, and. Um, yeah, went after his ingrown toenail, like kind of trimmed the edge off, took it out. And um, yeah, pretty gross. A couple of days later, his toe is looking a little bit red, a little bit gammy. And my sister's like, that doesn't look too great. Like, and he's like, oh, I was fine. I'm fine. Carry on. Going to work. Keep busy. You know, four days later, the kind of the, the redness is slightly moved up towards his ankle. My sister's like, genuinely, I don't, that doesn't look great. I'm not sure that's okay. Matt's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. A week later, by the time the redness had tracked up to his groin, um, he phones my dad, who is a surgeon, and said, hey, John, I wonder, this is, I'm wondering, should I, should I get this looked at? <laughs> to which my dad said, yes. Um, so he, he went up to A&E, and they told him in A&E, they said, you're about 12 hours away from developing septicemia. Like, it, was, it could have been really, he could have been really poorly. Um, I mean, great story. Started off from this crazy denial that there was a problem. I'm fine. Stop fussing with me, woman. I'm fine. Really not fine. Denying it is not a good start because it actually, it doesn't change it. Like denying it does not make it go away at all. Um, so denying that we have weakness, that we have limitation as humans is crazy. It makes no sense. If you, if you read back a verse in, this, in Hebrews 4, which is a heads up. It's always a good idea. Whenever you're reading a bit in the Bible and it says, therefore, read the few verses before because that, that's how that's linked. I didn't for time this morning, but I'm going to now. Verse 13, so the verse, just one verse before says this. 
Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, we ha- let us approach this great high priest. Therefore, because listen, here's the deal. It's all uncovered. He sees it all. He knows it all. And he invites us to come. So we don't need to deny what God knows. So we need to not be afraid to acknowledge areas of weakness and say, actually, I'm not fine. Um, and invite God into that area that maybe previously we've been denying and sort of, it's fine, I don't want to address it. That's the first thing. The second thing we can do is we can tolerate it. So I think I want to be careful in saying, listen, I want for us to be a people who can acknowledge weakness. That's not the same as saying, I'm acknowledging an area of weakness and I'm going to build a city around it and live here confined by this for the rest of my days. I'm acknowledging it and this is it. Like that's tolerating weakness and we're not supposed to do that either. You're saying, oh, you know, that area of my personality and my, you know, crippling insecurity when it comes to conflict. Well, you know, that, that's just how I am. I'm going to build a city around it and everyone else is just going to have to suck it up. That's how I am. Like, no. And just say, well, I'm just, you know, that's a product of my culture, my upbringing, whatever. Like, that's not good enough. My favourite Mary Pitches quote, the words, this is how I am, I can never change, are inappropriate for the Christian disciple. Preach it. It's not good enough right? That's tolerating areas of weakness. We can't afford, we cannot afford to tolerate areas of weakness and allow them to have the final say, to dictate and to influence the entirety of where the rest of our lives go. So acknowledging it is not the same as tolerating it because we're not supposed to tolerate weakness either. So we need to have a different approach. And I think this is what we see um, with Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. I love these verses. It's a really famous verse. It says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I think this is, this is just a perfect example of how we deal with weaknesses because Paul is acknowledging weakness, right? So when he's talking about we have these jars of clay, it's like actually, you know, it's limited, fragile, frail, finite humanness, jars of clay, right? It's, it's weakness language. He's acknowledging it. And then he's saying, listen, there are points of particular pressure or pain or difficulty, but they don't get the final say. So he's saying, we are hard-pressed on every side, right? That's acknowledging weakness. Stuff is really coming against me right now. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We're confused. We're doubting. We're struggling. We don't understand it all. Acknowledging weakness. I don't understand everything that goes on. But I'm not in despair. In despair is because I've tolerated confusion and I've decided to build a camp around it. So this is what Paul's doing. Does that make sense? He's acknowledging it, but not tolerating it. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I'm acknowledging the frailty and the weakness of this clay jar, but I never take my eyes off the treasure that's within it. Yeah? And this is says in verse 9, and in verse 10, we carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This constant awareness of the cross, the death, the resurrection of Jesus that actually changed everything, that means, do you know what? My weakness does not define and have the final say anymore. There's this treasure within. So he's acknowledging weakness in the jar, 
but this constant awareness of the treasure. So he's not being to- he's not tolerating and being limited and confined by it. Does that make sense? There's a difference. The third that we, that we can do, which probably builds on from the other two, is that actually we despise our weakness. Actually, we've, it, it, it's like it's, we reject it and think it's so, you know, so unpalatable. The things that you know, Phil was saying, actually, how what God was talking to us about in worship, about the areas in our life that feel ugly and unpresentable and weak, and we, like we despise ourselves because of those things. We feel like they disqualify us. And again, listen, your approach to your weakness, even when a weakness has maybe been a failing or a sin in the past, your approach to that cannot afford to be different to God's. It says this in Psalm 22, that that God has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he's listened to his cry for help. God never, ever despises you or your weakness or your suffering, ever. And yet often we despise the weakness we see in ourselves or we see in other people. We're supposed to be imitators of Jesus. So we, we can't be people who despise weakness. We can't approach weakness differently to how God does. He doesn't despise it. And this really came home to me in, um, a few years ago. Our, um, our daughter, Abby, was having a fierce battle with anxiety. And I, she's happy for me to kind of share this with you. I checked this week. Um, so she's a super confident little girl. Like she was, you know, she was never the child. It was difficult to leave at nursery. Like super sociable, loves people, loves new things, really confident. Um, but just out of the blue got absolutely, it was attacked by anxiety, which I don't think is, it's not a respecter of personality types because you'd be like, Abby's, like that doesn't make sense. But it was, it was fierce. And it, so it was all associated around going to school and there was nothing going wrong at school per se. And once we could get her there, she was okay. But every morning we had this horrific, I mean, it was awful. So she would, she would wake at five um, and if you've ever struggled with anxiety, which I have, it's, it's really difficult. And wake with this dread. And, you know, I used to be able to feel it on my chest. So she'd be awake from five. So we'd have like three and a half hours of panic attacks. And, and she'd be, she'd be multi- sick multiple times. Hours of it every morning to try and get her to school. And some mornings it was, it was just so hard. We were just like, you don't, you know, we didn't get her there. Some, it, was, it was awful. It was, it was just, it was a real struggle and so I was kind of processing this, and praise Jesus, she's, you know, she is so, so much further on in that whole journey um, in terms of, which well, is not like that anymore, which I'm so thankful for because it was fierce for a while. But, you know, I was thinking, there's loads of things that Abby does really well. So she's a dancer, she's into dancing. She's a really good dancer, and I love watching her dance. I'm really proud of her when she dances. She does it, that's an area of strength. She's a really good friend. Like, if you know her, she's she's all in, like, you know, wears a heart on the sleeve, loves people, like, she's, there's so much of her um, that I see of real strength, which I am incredibly proud of. I love, you know, I love that, you know, she's smart, she's funny, like, I love, I love her strengths, and I'm really proud of her for the things that she does really well. But honestly, I, this is no exaggeration, I have never been more proud of her than the mornings when we would fight into school and we'd, you know, we'd have the same worship song in the car and she'd be like, right, pray for me once again, mum. And we'd get to school and, you know, she'd often, she'd throw up in the gutter as we're walking in and she'd be like, look with these gorgeous brown eyes, say, okay, mum, pray once more. And in she'd go. And I've never, I've never been prouder of her. In her moment of, in her 13 years, greatest weakness, I've never been more proud of her than the things that she does. I think we sometimes think God is so much interested in our strengths when he wants to love us in our weakness. 
Some of you are despising areas of weakness when God wants to say to you, I have never been more proud. He's never been more proud of those things. When we, we allow him to love us in our weakness, not pretending it's not there, not despising it, but often we do that. I didn't belittle that or despise it at all. You know, as an you know, fallible, imperfect human mum, I was like, I'm here. I am right here. I will do anything to walk this through with you. How much more is God? But we have got to stop despising our humanity. Like Jesus came to rescue and redeem humanity, not this tidied up, you know, polished down religious version of it. He came to redeem and love you and I in our humanity into life and fullness. But we have to let him in. We have to stop despising our weakness or the weakness in others. So those, that's the way not, that's not the approach to weakness. Don't deny it. Don't tolerate it. Don't despise it. So what do we do? We acknowledge it and we run back into the arms of Jesus. We acknowledge it and we draw near. That's the invitation that we see in Hebrews. Jesus absolutely does not see our weakness for a reason for distance and disconnect. But we do. Don't we? We feel like we're coming to church. Well, I can't bring that stuff with me. I can't. Yeah, keep, there's like we separate it out. The stuff that's acceptable to God is the strong stuff and the weak stuff. That's just not how he sees it. He invites us. This high priest who knows fully what it is to be human invites us to come. Let me read verse 16. Again, this is the amplified version. It says this. Therefore, let us with privilege approach the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence, without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help us in the time of need. An appropriate blessing coming at just the right time. That's the invitation, is that we would be able to come in our weakness to receive mercy for maybe what's gone before and to receive grace for what's now and maybe what is to come. That's the invitation, to come to this Jesus who understands cares, knows exactly what it is to be human, sees it all, it's uncovered before God, but he says, come. He wants to extend grace and mercy at, the point, at just the right time. Not when we've kind of made a bit of an effort and we've kind of made a bit, you know, we've made a few steps, we're getting a little bit better. Like, that's not it. We, we have this thinking that somehow it's, we have to kind of tidy ourselves up to come to God. Have you heard this phrase, um, God helps those who help themselves? You've heard that phrase? Sounds like, oh, that might be in Proverbs somewhere. It's totally not. It's nowhere in the Bible. That is not the, like, that's not it. It was an, apparently one of the first presidents of the US, I forget which one, one of the early ones said that. Sounds very worthy. God helps those who help themselves. But it, it presents in us, uh, actually it pushes us towards despising our weakness and, and being like self-dependent and self-reliant. I have to, you know, I have to tidy myself up before I can come to God. Romans 5 tells us when we were helpless, Christ died for us. Not when we were getting a little bit better or making some strides. To, like when we were helpless, that was the right time for him to come. So when we are weak, it's just the right time to come to find grace, to find mercy. That's the invitation. But we have to allow, we have to allow God in and we have to understand that he allows us in with our weakness, with our humanity, which isn't the same as sin. But like that's who we came for, me, with all my insecurity and failing and weakness and like with all of that, 
He came to rescue me, redeem me in my humanity. Um, and as we do that, you know, God, I think God will do incredible things in and through what we see as the weak areas in our lives if we'd only let him. And it is a vital part of us becoming mature. And I actually was, I have got loads more I was going to say this morning, but I suddenly realized if I go really fast, I can probably get through it all. Um, but actually, I want to, I'm speaking again in a couple of weeks. So I want to come back to, I want to come back to this and understand that actually, dealing with weakness is an essential part of us becoming mature sons and daughters. So I want to look at it in the context of our maturity journey in a couple of weeks. But this is the thing. If we would let only let God in to our areas of weakness, he could do amazing things in and through us. Um, it isn't a reason for distance. Like the, that's not just me saying that. That's absolutely what we're saying in Hebrews. Fully understanding and embracing our weakness and inviting us to come. That's what it's saying. Weakness is no reason for distance between you and Jesus, and yet in, often in our eyes it is. So we hold back and we cover it up and we pretend it's not there. And listen, let me just tell you, one of the best ways, if you're like, oh, do you know what? There is, there's, this, there's an area of weakness that I am denying, maybe I'm tolerating, maybe I'm despising. One of the best ways to let God in is to let one of his other kids in. And I, like, that takes vulnerability and bravery, but actually to say to someone, hey, I'm not fine. Actually, hey, this isn't easy. That sometimes is the first step, actually, to acknowledging our weakness and then the Lord can come in. But I want to finish with this. I am, I've told you this story multiple times, but because it's honestly one of the times that has most marked me in my walk with kind of trying to follow Jesus in all of my weakness is the very last time, time I saw my grandpa before he died. Um, he was like a faithful Christian guy, um, and he was in his 90s, and he'd been in, he'd been in a residential home, and then he got too poorly and was in hospital, and then he was in a nursing home. So he was really frail. So he was in his 90s, bed-bound, you know, lost so much weight, um, was on oxygen, and at points would get a little bit confused sometimes. But, like, he was, humanly speaking, like, he was really, he was really weak. He was really frail. And um, so I'd gone to visit him. I was down um, at my parents, and I'd gone to visit Grandad and was sort of sitting and been chatting with him and... And, you know, just chit-chat to and fro. And a couple of times he got a little bit confused and then he sort of came back around again. And, and so I, when I was sort of wrapping up to go, um, he said, you know, like, he was the most faithful prayer. So he said, you know, let's, let's pray before you go. Um, you know, I would say my testimony of the fact that I am walking with the Lord is A, because of the grace of God, but B, because of the prayers of my grandparents. Our grandparents, and when I prayed for us girls every single day from the day they knew my mum was pregnant, which is phenomenal. Are there grand any grandparents in the room? If you're a grandparent, like your prayers are powerful. Like genuinely, me and my three sisters, and I know Em would say the same, prayers of our grandparents, transformational, just this faithful every, and they'd say, praying for you every morning, and I knew they were, every single day, so faithful in prayer. But so we, I was kind of, and it was funny because I was like, I knew it was the last time I was going to see him. I couldn't tell you, I mean, he was very frail, but I was like, oh gosh, I know this is goodbye, which is hard. But he, he said, come on, so let's pray. And so this frail little old man, um, he said, and I can remember exactly his exact words. He said, God, we come to you in our frailty and weakness, but always trusting in your great faithfulness. I'm like, guys, that's the journey. That's discipleship. We come in our frailty 
But we're not defined or phased by our frailty because we look at his great, unending faithfulness and know it's enough. Like, it's enough. However much weakness I feel that I'm bringing, his great faithfulness is bigger and it's enough. And I, I remember just being, and I've posted it, I come back to it time and time again on the days when I'm like, oh gosh, I feel like I'm, I'm going a bit self-reliant again or I'm feeling a bit discouraged again. I remember granddad's last praying with me. Like, God, I want to, like, what a way to finish. I'm like, dad's finishing well. Physically so frail, but spiritually like this giant man saying, God, I trust, absolutely. And he'd walked through some hard, painful things, but never, it's this phrase, always trusting in his great faithfulness. And, and that's what Paul's encouraging us to do in this. You know, when we see it's Jesus, this great high priest, he's saying, let's hold firm to the faith which we profess. And listen, I am not in the kingdom. I'm not qualified to be called his because of my strength. It's only because of Jesus. So why on earth would I be disqualified because of my weakness? But honestly, we kind of, we know that we get in because of Jesus, but we think we have to stay in because of Sarah. No, you're not qualified because of your strength. Therefore, you are absolutely not disqualified because of your weakness. So we need to learn to let God love us in our weakness. And that's not an excuse for sin. And it's not an excuse for not pushing on and growing and stretching. Of course, we want to do those things. But from that position of knowing we are absolutely loved and accepted, he never despises our struggle. He came to redeem and restore our humanity. He loves us in our weakness, if only we'd let him. So would you stand? I want us to pray for one another.